1: You're listening to The Motorsport Dream. Christopher lindeen interviews drivers from all different kinds of motorsport competition. Formula 1, Formula 1, MotoGP, MotoGP. Endurance, endurance, rally, rally, IndyCar. Indycar. NASCAR, NASCAR, and many more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Speed Passion Media presents probably the biggest podcast within motorsport. This podcast is created in collaboration with Speed Passion Events, where you can drive a real Formula One car and racing time watches. Enjoy your passion. The Motorsport Dream with Christopher Lindine
2: hello and welcome to the podcast the motorsport dream i'm your host christopher lindian and uh, today's guest we have a swedish driver who wants to compete in nascar jonas Fors. welcome to the podcast jonas thank you so much um, for having me here it's a pleasure to have you
3: here on the podcast so how are you today i'm feeling good i mean um we have the coronavirus, um, I think there's 600 cases around in Sweden and 300 in Stockholm, where I live right now. And uh, so I keep myself at home a lot, um, trying to avoid getting, getting, uh, getting the virus myself. Um, so it's a lot of phone calls, but not so many meetings right now.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm not
3: so familiar
2: with your... You're competing in the USA in some NASCAR, but a lower division. Uh, has the season started already?
3: The season is uh, going on. They've been racing, I think it's four races right now, uh, in the Arkham and Art series, where I compete. Um, it's the fourth division in the ladder to NASCAR, um, so to speak. So in, in the top of the series, you have the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, followed by the second division, which is NASCAR Xfinity Series, and then you have the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Series. And Those three series, the top, uh, top three, um, are National Series, which competes all over the U.S. I race in the Arkham Menards Series. Um, so we're in the fourth division. We race in the Midwest, the nor- uh, Northeast of the U.S., and in the South um and that's the fourth division then you have the regional west series uh, which also is called called arkham and arts west series and the arkham and arts east series um mm-hmm. those combined are the fifth division and then you have the state championships and the track championships um below those uh, so that's basically how the, the structure of uh, of the, the stock car racing in the u.s is is built
2: interesting and uh... And for how long have you competed in this uh,
3: Division 4? I started in, uh, I got approved to race in the super speedways in uh, 2018. There are four track types which, which we race on. Uh, it's the road courses, As you're if you're familiar with Formula 1 and GT racing or Le Mans series and races like that, they, they only race on road courses. So we do one road course in uh, the Arca series, which I'm supposed to race this year in the end of May. And we race at super speedways like the Daytona, uh, Talladega, super speedway. Those are tracks who are about two and a half miles long, 30 to 32 degrees banked. You you, you go uh, all out on the pedal all the way around an average about 180, 190 miles an hour, which is somewhere over 300 kilometers an hour. So those tracks are really fast. And then we do races at short tracks, mostly in the Arkham and Arch series compared to the three national divisions. We do a lot more short track racing, which are tracks that are a little bit flatter and um, under a, a mile long. So it's a lot more door banging, so to speak, on those kind of tracks. And then for seven or eight races, we do... Races on the the uh, the oval tracks that are called intermediate tracks, which are tracks that are over a mile long, most often one and a half mile um, and something to 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 the below the super speedways, but still larger than than the short tracks, but still oval. We do around um, 180 miles an hour on these two, so they're also very fast. But we don't floor the pedal all the way around. We can like have one uh, two corners where, where we go flat out and then we release or break into the uh, the next two corners. In oval racing, you you count uh, not the, the track as two corners, even if it's oval, um, you count it as four. So the turn-in into the first corner is turn one, and then uh, the exit, like the first part of the oval, uh, is turn two. And that is the difference between like road course racing, where every turn is actually a turn number. Do you follow me on that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm
2: following. Which one of these four different types, which one is your favorite one? To be honest,
3: I think that if you look at my talent chart or talent profile uh, as a driver, I think that super speedways will fit me best. Um, I have strengths in... um, in racecraft, that, that is my craft when you come to driving. Uh, qualifying, hitting just one perfect lap is one of my weaknesses. So the super speedway races are long races. You race for an hour or an hour and a half. And you're always in a pack of at least 20 cars where you have competitors all around you and you can do some, some mischiefs like mind tricks on them and, uh, and, and be in, a, be in overtake uh, situations for the whole race. So super speedways, uh, I think, is my personal uh, largest strength. I haven't raced one of these super speedway races yet. But apart from that, I think compared to, to the American field of drivers, I should be stronger at road courses because mm. they race one or two road course races a year. Um, while I come from a background when we race about 16 races on road courses a year. So mm. I have a lot of experience compared to them now. If we go back a bit, to people who
2: don't know you, could you tell a bit about yourself? Who is Jonas Fors?
3: Well, I'm Jonas Fors. Nice to meet you, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I come from uh, a little island uh, outside of Stockholm. So it's close to the largest city in Sweden, but we have like a rural country culture because... We're so far away from from the city. There's a lot of forests uh not so many people. You have an hour to to the city and um My dad used to be a street racer when he was like in his twenties and thirties uh early thirties. Uh, then I came around and uh then uh, he stopped with that uh He's a car enthusiast or I recall when I was a kid uh hanging out in the garage with him when he was Renovating and fixing his old uh, Chevy sixty nine Del Camino um, that is mint condition today, but wasn't when he bought it. My mom is also a car enthusiast, but no, none of them share a, any kind of racing tradition in their families. But just a huge passion for for cars and um, making them look pretty and go fast, basically. Mm. So th- that's my like uh, childhood background. Uh, I started out go karting when I was five. Um, did my first tests, uh, as well as I played some soccer. But soccer has never been really my sport to play. Go karting was, so I could spend hours and hours behind the wheel. wheel and um, I really, I got this little electrical jeep from uh, from my parents when I was about mm-hmm. four years old, I think um that i terrorized all the neighbors all the days because it had plastic wheels so the sounds of it were were quite quite ear-catching uh luckily we only had three neighbors so i'm sorry <laughs> but they still live there <laughs> i beg your pardon for that but in the end i hope that you enjoy like following me on my adventures today um so that's my background. That's where, where I started, basically. Yeah. Uh, we started go-karting when I was a kid. Um, we raced on the local tracks around Stockholm. and Then it got to the, to the Mid-Swedish Championship, and we did some races up north and down south. And um, then I, when I got in, it was in 2010, uh, I did my first races uh, in Europe, in Austria. And after that, we raced a little bit in Spain and in France uh, and in Germany. So um, that, that's basically my, 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 the first beginning of my career.
2: Yeah, so, so you were quite an active courting driver, trying out different uh, countries and series and so on.
3: Yeah, when I was, I must have been 11 years old, I think we did 36 races that year. Oh. Um, so we were everywhere and nowhere at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. We could race one Wednesday night at one track and then we could go to a Friday night race uh, or Friday, uh, Friday night race for another track and then had our third race on the Sunday. So I really got the laps in and I loved racing like different tracks. Uh, we had some competitions where we raced at the same tracks for three days in a row and I, I couldn't stand it because it was just, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, we just mm-hmm. had a lot of passion. I mean, filling up the fuel and run on old tires um it's still fun and it builds you as a driver because when you have the fresh tires on the wednesday and you go for the race uh, you're in the top but on the sunday when your tires is just scuff you you're in the back of the field and you have completely different challenges uh, among those drivers so the, the drivers in the top they're fast uh they make fast lap times uh, they know where to put themselves on the tracks but the midfield, it's a little bit more messy, and I think that's the the background of the of my like racecraft talent was built there, in the middle, in the middle of the pack. So um, I do not regret anything. I had a blast. I had loads of uh, of nice friends to hang around with, and uh, like the, the racing background as a kid is something that I recommend every every parent to to put their kids in because we stay out of trouble because we are. We are with you all the time on the weekends. If you have the time to put your kids, time to put into your kids in that way, and it doesn't need to be like the newest stuff or the fastest gear. Uh, of course, it's always more fun to win the races, uh, but to race the races at all is so much more fun than spending time at home uh, and get into trouble if you're from troubled areas.
4: Hmm.
2: Yeah, you were eleven and. Uh... Doing many races and so on, but uh, you stopped karting somewhere. What happened? Uh, what happened and why? Why did you stop karting? And uh, what what did you do instead?
3: In two thousand and eleven was the one of the most active years when I raced in Sweden and I raced in Spain a little bit. I uh, think I did just one race in Spain, so it's not really mentionable. But and I think we did, did race in Germany that year too. But I was in an accident in the. Uh, in the like max uh, challenge in sweden it's not like it, it by back then it was the largest series with the most competitors uh for my age and i was hospitalized for i think it was six nights or something like that with um we were in a fight for the third position and um i i raced hard but i got raced hard uh, harder from behind so I was in an accident where I flipped and I got the the steering wheel to the bottom of my belly. And I mean, back then I was 18 years old. These cars are fast. Uh, As a parent, you shouldn't be any kind of worried that your kid will be in that kind of risk. Uh, The go-karts looked a little bit bit different back then. Uh, They're much safer now. uh, And the regulations are a lot safer too. So I got internal damages on my liver and lungs. So it was in that moment, like (laughs) in the ambulance and at the hospital. I mean, when you're at the ER for, I think it was three nights and I couldn't use my telephone because it was um, disturbing the instruments in there. Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing you can do with your time is think. So there I tried, like the the thought is, should I continue to do this Uh, or should I stop or should I like, and then I realized I have two options and that was to to go all out and see how far I can go in um, in my racing career. Um, I knew that we didn't have a lot of money. We couldn't really um, count on doing a racing career. That wasn't like my my lottery ticket in life, really. We couldn't afford like buying a race car and start racing uh, at all. We didn't have that kind of money. But I mean... If I wanted to, to continue racing, I, I felt that I want to sit in, in a roll cage. So if I flip the next time, I'll at least have some seat seatbelts um, that will catch me. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of having <laughs> a <Seat belts> <laughs> steering wheel. Steering, uh, seat belts is an hell of a <laughs> adventures Exactly. I felt that I needed more safety if I should continue with the sport. And um, quitting it, um, I mean... I had a great career back then. I had some podiums, uh, some wins uh, that year in twenty eleven until the accident. But then, then the, the thought came to me. I've been racing for, I think it was like fifteen years back then, or sixteen or something. And it was, it's okay. I've been, ra- I've been doing this for for a lot, lot of time now, for a lot of years. Uh, I had a blast. A lot of my closest friends that I've raced had quitted a couple of years earlier, and. Um, the the surroundings get got more competitive. The economy and uh, in go karts were crazy. If we wanted to be competitive, we needed about double the money that we had, um, or sometimes three three times the money. I think that, um, and I thought that I can't get sponsored in go karts, so I have to some way a step further to to race cars and get sponsored sponsored there. But so I took the decision at hospital to continue racing and uh, I wanted to race as soon as possible to, to get out of like uh, traumatizing thoughts about uh, flipping the next time I sat behind the wheel and got into speed. I mean, um, I've heard so many times from people that are doing equestrian sports with horses. If they fell mm. off their horse, uh, it's better to get back on the, the back of the horse and, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, before you start thinking about it. And um, so two weeks after the accident, I was behind the wheel again. And I was just supposed to to roll the race through to get my points in the championship so I could secure a third place. Uh, but I didn't. Um, so in the first race, I started last, ended up seventh um, because I raced safe, I think. But what I actually did was calming down my driving style a lot just to take it safe. But that ended up being a lot faster than I ever expected because I've always been an aggressive driver until then. And then I started to race smooth and smooth racing in, in go cars and open wheel cars. It's the winning concept. So for the second race at that same event, I finished second because I was starting in the pole um, due to championship points. And uh, there was only really one driver that could challenge me. So I let him pass. I followed him, and uh, then I couldn't really pass him in the end of the race. So for the end of the the season, I won the championship uh, in the Mid Swedish Karting Championship, and then then I felt like it was a good decision to continue racing. Mm. And um, I started look at what kind of racing I should pr- pursue to, and I made a list of uh, CEOs and companies that were close to my family. My dad is a sheen metal worker. So, uh, and my mom, the mom uh, is a waitress. So, both have more of a working class background. So we don't have any like family or friend uh, friends that run companies at that time. That could be helpful in in a sponsorship situation. But we had a couple connections, like the boss of my dad and the uh, potential um, network that they had. So I made. Uh, two proposals. The one was to pursue to Junior uh, Touring Car Championship because I was watching the Scandinavian Touring Car Championship and that could be like a future for me. But I also had the V8 Thundercar Series as an option to that. The V8 Thunder Car Series was back then a little bit more expensive. Um, and I, when I put these proposals in front of the the owners of, of the first company, um, they both had like Chevy pickup trucks. And then I proposed that I was going to proceed in the Junior turn Car Championship driving a Renault Clio. And they were just laughing. It was like, am I going to put my logo on a Renault Clio? And I was like, yeah, it's like the stepping stone of, the race, <laughs> of racing in Sweden. And they were like, no way. And I was like, okay, I have another, another uh, option for you. And that is that I buy a Camaro and uh, open up my own team. And uh, since they were Chevy fans, they, um, they bought the idea. They didn't you know, enter with um, as much money as I needed, but enough to, to make the decision to, uh, to start uh, working with sponsors and making proposals and get a little bit help from local companies around the city. Or like uh, the municipality of uh, Värmdö and uh, Nakka where I'm from. So um so we started there and we secured to do I think it was three or four races the first season. Mm. Um so, or race weekends. It's a double race format, so we race two times a weekend. Um it wasn't a full season, but we were there. And um when we came to to Solvalla, which is a um what do you call it? They ride horses around there. Um, um. but
4: yeah, I don't remember now the English. World, <laughs>
3: no, um, in oval. Um, yeah, with a carriage. Um, it's actually quite fun watching those, and people used to bet on them. Um, but they paved that arena, and uh, since it's about an hour from where I live, uh, this was the closest to a home track that I could ever get. And uh, since my whole team was from Stockholm, this was our home track, and the race gathered about twenty thousand people every year. So. It was the, the largest, like, racing event uh, ever, um, and the, the track was built in an arena format where you en- when you enter the arena, you, uh, you drove in there, and you just saw the whole crowd of people, and uh, then I knew, like, this is the kind of racing that I enjoy, because in the other tracks, you pass, like, a section of, of spectators, and then half a minute later you pass the next section of spectators you never get the arena format like you do in in ice hockey or or soccer and um since i've been a american car fan since i was like three years old nascar has has always been on my mind Mm. and um so the dream was born there in 2014 basically the first year where i raced uh the camaro so that's my racing
4: background
2: (laughs) Yeah, so in a way, it was the sponsors that decided also that you wanted to go into the, this V8 Thunder cars, you could say.
3: I, I've looked at those cars, and they were mm. quite... I wouldn't say cheap, because it's not in racing, and nothing is cheap. But it wasn't as costly as other kinds of racing. I mean, you got a... It was almost the same price as around the same price as the junior touring car championship uh in the renault clio uh, but instead of having a i think it was like 150 horsepower front wheel drive car you get a 450 uh, rear wheel drive car which uh, back then was the way to go because every fast car in the world is rear wheel drive driven mm-hmm. if you're not into rally or rallycross so uh, I pictured that this car will learn me more. They had less brakes and the chassis wasn't as good as uh, in the touring car- cars. So I pictured that the harder car to drive, the more I will learn. And uh, But also, yes, the sponsors did a, a big part of the decision in, in what path in my racing career I should do. There's an old saying in Sweden that you should drive the, the racing class that you can afford to win. And um, yes, that will build you a, a great brand as a driver. But personally, I think that you should drive the racing class that the sponsors are prepared to pay for, where the sponsors can get any return of their investment. Because sponsorship is a business between you and the companies where you're supposed to make more business for the company. It's not a donation. If that answers your question.
2: Yeah, that's really good. And uh, going back to NASCAR, you said you were always a big NASCAR fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what makes NASCAR so special for you? Why are you so interested in, in getting to NASCAR? And, uh, yeah, your passion for NASCAR? Um,
3: It's the only racing series in the world where you use... About 800 horsepower uh, V8 engines with 40 cars around an arena, where you, as a spectator, can watch the whole track at the same time and see everything uh, play out. It's just the mass of of like if if you watch road course racing, you'll see three cars in a battle at most. You see the, the starts uh, and then the, the spread the, the the starting field uh, will, will spread into small, different groups. And, um, but in oval racing, it's not like that. There are cars everywhere. And as a driver, you have to race the other cars. In road course racing, it's more of the driver racing the track. And with that perspective, if, it, it, it's still racing against other cars a little bit. But what is the difference between a driver racing a paved track uh, against rally? Um, so it's just the, the competitiveness, uh, between the drivers that are more interesting, I think, because the more battles on the track, the more drama in the pits, and it's a great spectacle to to watch the races. I mean, with introductions, with the big races, with large crowds at the same place. And I think that was what caught my, my mind. I mean, if you watch a NASCAR race, um, it will be more overtakes in that than in a couple of Formula One races combined. Um, so there's a lot, of going, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, the cars are very different between the every tracks uh, because there are changes in regulation. And there's a lot of drivers to follow and a lot of politics going on where the, um, the media and the drivers and the teams are very open about that kind of politics. And no car looks like the other one. That's also a thing that, that, I like, that I like. Four cars from the same team look different because they have different sponsors.
2: Yeah, so it's uh, a big market machine as well in, in the USA.
3: Well, I can, uh, I can picture that. I, want, I once got the question uh, why the races are so long. Mm. And if you look at the Daytona 500, that, that's an event that's four hours long. Combined uh, compared to a soccer game, which is ninety minutes, forty-five plus forty-five, and um, I, I once joked about that. It's because that everybody at the VIP launches should have enough time to uh, to mingle and uh, and do their businesses. Because in launches, you as a driver uh, might uh, rent one for all of your sponsors so you can have like four different companies in the same place where they can network and find businesses together and have the racing as a common ground to as first meetings and, and stuff like that but really i think it was um the the car industry at the beginning that wanted to see, to prove for for the audience that our dodge or our chevy can run for 400 miles without breaking down in full speed And later on, that tradition uh, stayed with us. And I'm very happy that the races are so long because it makes it a, a larger like physical challenge for the drivers, but also a mental challenge because you have to keep your concentration for so long in these cars that are somewhere
5: around 50, 60, 70 degrees Celsius,
3: about around 100 to 120 Fahrenheit, somewhere around that.
2: And, and uh, currently, it's Ford and Chevy, and Toyota that is competing. Yes. And and they, they have done four races already, and each have have won once. Ford has two wins so far this season. So, um, looking at the manufacturers, why why is Toyota there? Of course, USA is a big market for Toyota, but why aren't there any European? manufacturers in NASCAR?
5: I'm not really sure. Um,
3: it could be that, I mean, they act- it actually isn't quite far. If you look at the third division, the uh, NASCAR Gander Outdoor Series and Arkham Menard Series, we run with an engine that is half built by Ilmor, race engines. Mm-hmm. Um, for Europeans, that doesn't say so much but they're actually owned and uh, uh, by uh, mercedes amg so we race with european half-made engines uh the tops of them are the cylinder part um too uh, but the bottoms are from chevy so we have european interest in the series but to to answer the question i think that the american market is too small for uh, european manufacturers of course it's it's a huge opportunity um, but chevy ford and dodge uh, are so strong in that market toyota is huge too uh toyota is the the largest manufacturer on the U. in the u.s market i think this year too it uh, has been there um, a couple of years ago so the biggest uh, the, the largest or the most selling cars in the u.s of course they should be in the largest motorsports of the u.s and um I question myself why it isn't like rather why, why isn't Dodge still in um, in uh, in NASCAR? Why isn't other um, American brands in uh, in NASCAR? That that's my first mm-hmm. question. Why isn't Honda in NASCAR? They are in um, in Indycar, IndyCar right now.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And Hyundai could be also a. Uh, a, a brand that should, uh, could compete in NASCAR. But, but it's a large investment to, to, to enter that sport. I mean, you, should, you need to sponsor at least a team in, in the Cup Series. And if you've done all the research to, to develop an engine, uh, why not suppo- supply two or three more teams in the Cup Series? And then you have the Xfinity Series, where you also need to, uh, to brand yourself. And uh, then you have the Gather Outdoor Series, the Arkham Menards Series the west and east series so it's basically five different divisions that you should be making engines to and that's a large and huge investment but also a great opportunity to market yourself interesting thoughts but, um, well it, it, it's it's long way to put uh put it when instead of saying just i don't know but <laughs> yeah. it's my thoughts around <laughs> it
2: <laughs> yeah they're good thoughts you're the nascar expert I'm just I trying to keep up with NASCAR besides all of the other sports I'm following. So, and also another question, compared to IndyCar, NASCAR gets more attendance figures and more viewers in the, on the TV than IndyCar. Why?
3: Um, <laughs> that, that's also a tricky question. Uh, I mean, IndyCar has the largest racing event on the planet i think uh with the uh in the 500 yeah. um 300 raised, expectations yeah it is 300 to four hundred thousand, somewhere around that depending on year um uh, yeah uh, you know th- that those statistics be- be- better than me um yeah but i'd say that i mean formula one isn't a large like racing series in the us either it doesn't have the following it doesn't have the fan fan base as as nascar have in the us and i think that i read an article a couple of years ago uh, on the subject and that is and it it argued that uh, the reason why nascar is bigger uh, than any car basically is that every track has its own like culture Um, as for me my first race in the u.s was at the meridian speedway it's an eighth mile long track which is like 400 meters so if you ever watched a uh, uh, track and field track uh, that's about how big it was or small in our case but at every friday they had a race where you could bring your race car and they made up different kind of race classes and uh, you had an attendance of between five and ten thousand people just going there with their family grabbed a beer or a hot dog and went to the uh, to the stands and um, met with all their friends and they watched the race for two or three hours with eight different classes uh, of race cars and then went home and had something to talk about like the rest of the weekend at those ventures it always grows up like the local next-generation NASCAR driver or racing star. So somewhere around the, the, uh, the 90s, those local um, track champions and tra- or local stars, it was like a handful of them that had a great following that all chose sh- uh, to go in the NASCAR path instead of the indycar Champ car path. So they brought their fan base into the NASCAR side of the sport. So the, the other drivers who wasn't as followed as those who went to IndyCar uh, maybe brought a 1,000 new spectators to IndyCar, while those other drivers brought about 5,000 each. So um, the largest profile shows to race in, um, in NASCAR. And um, NASCAR did a lot of job with getting itself a little bit professionalized there there were rumors that before the the post season gala the the crew chiefs and mechanics had to uh were were entered had to wash their hands and wash off their faces before they met the media and stuff like that so they were like <laughs> keeping a good profile because they were rebranding the whole series because i mean formula cars have always been related to luxury um i mean you build a very specifically purpose-built race car which is crazy expensive so you always have to 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 attract those kinds of people in another way Our team manager of mine uh, told me that nascar is more beer and barbecue while indycar is more cheese and wine Um, and i think that's the reason why indycar is more popular in europe too because we're more cheese and wine than beer and barbecue yeah yeah Uh,
4: (laughs) <laughs> so
3: it, it attracts two, kinds, uh, two different kinds of people. And yeah. um, um, at least that's r- r- right now for the general public. But if you ask me, I mean, I watch every, every IndyCar race and follow our two Swedes that are racing there. I think it's a really interesting racing series, um, but I also follow a, a handful of other series. So for me, I have one, uh, one foot in, in both series of, of my personal interest. How much do you follow motorsport yourself? Um, to be honest, couple of day- a couple of hours a day. Um, <laughs> I've spent this off-season watching like old NASCAR races from the 50s to see if there's anything I can learn from from the aces that that made the sport what it is today. Um, I watch a little bit IndyCar. Not so much Formula 1 anymore, um, but a lot of races in in Sweden. The uh, endurance championships like IMSA, I, I don't usually watch them like actively sitting there for two, 12 or 24 hours just watching the race. But I have it on my TV in the background while I work and do other stuff mm-hmm. just to see if there's anything I can learn. I usually and I lo- watch a lot of iRacing right now, see if the simulator racing uh, have anything to, uh, to teach me. And it always has. I, when I re- watch races, I have a, a notebook and I have a pen and I, I always take notes for, from uh, interesting situations. And then I go back and watch those situations again and see what happened to that incident or how did he trick him to do that overtake or rewatch like qualifying laps and stuff like that. So just to learn as much as possible from different kind of drivers. Some drivers do not have the opportunity to reach Formula One or to reach the top of NASCAR, and they end up. They can end up anywhere, like in Formula E. They can end up in uh, in GT racing or or like in LMP3, as we talked about earlier. Um, there's always stuff to learn about from from every driver, and if you can if you can collect every little detail in a basket, and then when you're at the race track, pick every small detail in the right situations. I think that's how you win a championship in the end. Do you have any simulator yourself? I don't right now. Uh, I used to terrorize my my friend Pontus a lot uh, since he has a great one which he's eye racing on, and um, <laughs> so I, I uh, call him a couple a couple times a week and nagging him about going there to use it. But the simulator is a great practicing tool. in the the way that you can learn how the track layout is it doesn't give you the the exact feeling but you can also especially watch i'd say others mistakes like this driver does this mistake of 20 20 laps on the tires in this corner and also learn how how different, different corners behave what kind of lines, you, you can try those out. And if you end up with three different types of taking a specific corner, you can bring those three different lines to the racetrack and try them out and see how does the simulator comply to reality. Instead of trying 10 different lines in every corner, when you get there in reality, you can just, in the simulator, right away, like delete them or disqualify them and uh how much time do you spend on like
2: uh mental training for the and uh, physical training for the for the
3: races right now with the corona uh, situation i don't go to the gym i use my my weights that i have uh at my apartment instead but i try to to work out about 5 times a week it usually ends up with doing 3 because um i work Somewhere between ninety to one hundred and ten hours a week, with just trying to get all the sponsorships together and everything like that. But as I told you about taking notes on uh, on uh, while I watch other race, uh, other other drivers, uh, that is a kind of mental training. And uh, I, um, because I picture myself in the situation that I'm in, it it is a preparation. uh, But mental training almost daily. I mean, instead of counting sheep when I fall asleep, I count, uh, like, corners. Like, I drive a, a specific track in my head, different every time I go to sleep. But until... Uh, so I picture myself driving it, uh, visualizing it. And um, that, is, that is also, like, one, one kind of mental training to, to get prepared when you get there in the end. Mm. So mental training every day, uh, physical training about th- 3 to 5 times a week. But I walk a lot. I take daily or nightly walks to collect my 10 to 20,000 steps a day.
2: You also mentioned you work a lot every week. Uh what do you what do you do besides racing? Can you explain a bit more?
3: Yeah, um racing is my full-time occupation right now, but um, we do not we do not spend a lot of time on the tracks uh since i'm not a full time scheduled racer. It's more of like business development and um sales job uh, because I try to develop different kind of concepts uh including sponsorship for potential sponsors and I reach out to them and I go to a lot of meetings. I used to have about four meetings a week and then I have a lot of time to to build the car co- uh, it takes a lot of time to build specific concepts for every company, because if you have a construction company, they have some opportunities and they have some um, challenges that they may need help with. but if you go to like a um, brewery company uh, like Naco, which is a sponsor to me right now, uh, they have completely different challenges because they're selling products in stores and they're not selling like services to state-owned uh, kind of departments. Mm-hmm. But uh, going back to your
2: driving and uh, racing career, when was your
3: first race in the USA? The first time was in 2017 when I raced in the US. We had a um, tough year in the DVATC TC series in Sweden, uh, where we departed from... Uh, the stcc events so the scandinavian touring car championship back then uh hosted both the scandinavian touring car championship racing class but also three others and the vatc series was one of them until 2016 when they wanted to uh, focus their energy on other uh racing classes they they re- remade their their concept but I still owned the car in the VATC series, and I had to, to field it because we couldn't sell it. Um, so we competed with the VATC series in a new different concept in, in which I felt was not successful enough to keep my sponsors, not successful enough to attract new sponsors. so I stood with the the two options of closing the shop and closing the team and put my helmet on the shelf and uh, retire. Um, and, or uh, take all the experience and uh, resources, the, the few of the resources I had, uh, and bring them somewhere else, like move shop. So uh, I sent a couple of emails to Asia. I sent a, a lot of uh, emails to teams down in Europe. It could be like GT Series, uh, NASCAR Euro Series. Um, but a sent about, I think it was. A-
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
3: Nice dress. Uh, it's a
1: it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare dot com slash weight loss.
3: Sixty or seventy different emails to different like smaller teams in the US to actually enter the uh, the ladder of a NASCAR. And I got one reply. And um they gave me an opportunity to where they wanted to see me in a late model car, but they didn't trust that I could drive. So I got over to uh, got on a plane from from Stockholm to Los Angeles, and from there from Los Angeles to Idaho. And uh, if you ever been in Idaho, you know that the, that is the, in the middle of uh, of the Wild West. There's like nothing there. It's very rural, rural and um, the culture, uh, between, the culture differences between Los Angeles and, and Idaho is, is quite huge. So when I arrived there, they let me to, to try this Hornet car. And Hornet cars are front-wheel dri- driven, have about 100 horsepowers. Uh, they're very torn up and quite cheap to start with. And um, I did half a section with it. And I, th- I thought it, it felt quite great. I mean, you could basically floor it out all the way around this this eight mile uh, eighth of a mile track. And um, then I got the team manager wanted me to try a uh, a modified uh, car, uh, a Grand American, as they call them, which is a um, open wheeled stock car like 350 horsepower v8 powered race car and in that car in the first section session i was a tenth slower than the team's ace driver stafford smith and the team manager was impressed and wanted me to to race the the late model car in the weekend after that we did the tests on on this wednesday so i got to test the late model on the thursday too a couple of sessions and uh, then we show up for the Friday race and in the feature race, finished third. And in the, I got a top 10, I think in the, the later race, um, that same weekend. And, um, I mean, the comp- competition was tough. I mean, these cars and these drivers have, they were in the, their thirties or forties and have driven these kind of cars for the last 15 seasons. And has only driven on that specific track, so they knew everything about it. But they still managed a P three and a P seven or eight, I think. And um, obviously, that left a mark because when I landed in Stockholm, like half a week later, uh, I had an opportunity to go to the um, go back to the team a few weeks later uh, to uh, to do the last two races in the K N Pro Series West Series which is the the regional championship in the US. So from starting at like the bottom uh, in the Hornet car on the Wednesday to like 3 weeks later sitting in a KN car that was something that I couldn't really even picture in my head that I would be doing. Mm. But talking about like <clears throat> Racing on an oval track, the difference is when you race a road course and you brake and get into the corner, you brake and you, your car is going straight ahead forward. But in the oval car, as soon as you release your um, the throttle, the car starts to turn left. And when you brake, the car will turn very aggressively to the left. So the cars were really turning in a way that I had never even pictured that they could. So you could keep. A lot more speed through the corners that I could ever picture that you could, like, build a car to do. But these cars, in the end, they are made to go uh, one way, and that's left.
2: And uh, how would you describe uh, the American racing culture compared to the European?
3: When I got to the, to the racetrack with the team, when I got out of the car, the first question was, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? Wasn't it fun? And um, in Europe, the culture is a lot different. Is the first question you get is, why didn't you win? Why didn't you... was this fast? <laughs> so <laughs> the culture around American racing is a lot more laid back, I'd say. And um, people are allowed to get a lot closer to the, tra- to, to the race cars and to the drivers. And um, I mean, even in the k and Pro Series you do race because you enjoy the sport and you love the sport and everybody who works within racing does it because they love racing and they have passion for the sport and they show it. They show that I'm here because I love racing. That doesn't happen in Europe. It's more like I race and I am a mechanic for this team to compete. It's not about the sport. It's not about having a good time. Um, It's all about the competition. And that laid back culture made it a lot easier for me to to relax. It it reminded me why I started racing when I was six or seven years old. And you get that, like, when you get that relax and you actually enjoy every lap that you do and you start playing with the car again, which you haven't done in... Couple of years, probably, because in Europe you're thought a a certain way that this is how you race your car. This is the corners. This is how you take them. This is how you break. This is where you break. These are the lines that you should take. When you go back to like the mindset you had when you were six or seven years old, you were just playing around and fooling around the track, and you were everywhere and nowhere at the same time. But all of a sudden, you find like something that nobody ever seen before because you're having fun and you're enjoying yourself. And you get in that mood and you get easier into the flow of racing. And that is also something that people who race never shall forget. Even if you are in Europe right now, remember why you started racing. You do it because you enjoy the freedom behind the wheel, probably. Or you just think it's fun. Do not lose that passion for what you're doing. Hmm.
2: Have you had any motorsport Person who had helped you to get to the right connections, or or did you like make all your connections yourself? You said you sent emails to the United States and so on. It's quite common in motorsport culture that an older motorsport driver helps younger ones up. Did you have any kind of this relationship?
3: I wouldn't say really, to be honest. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I got my first opportunities in the US, uh, I sent emails to. The three former NASCAR drivers that we have had from Sweden: Alex Danielson, Matthias Ekström, and um, uh, Nick Johnson. Mm. And uh, I got a quick little advice from Matthias Ekström. He told me to work hard and keep digging and do as best as uh, work as hard as I can because then you will, will like increase your chances to succeed. But it's not a guarantee. And me and Alex Danielson have had, I think it's like four or five conversations where I've asked him for like his experiences, some advice regarding you know, some specific stuff and so, so on. But he didn't race uh, so much in the US either. I think uh, Matthias did three races in total. Alex did four or five. But the largest help I've had is from Nick Johnson because when I was done in the US, uh, I called him. And asked him a lot of stuff. He still he live, he lives in the U.S. and have worked a lot around the in the NASCAR industry. But since he've been working with his things, he's is a endurance racer still, uh, A uh, successful one. Uh, he uh, he couldn't be uh, he didn't didn't have the possibilities to be my manager, but. He have always been there to answer specific questions, like, I have these three opportunities. Which opportunity do you think I should should take? Are these good people? Do you know anything about them? But he haven't really opened doors for me in that way because uh, he didn't want to manage me publicly because he didn't have the resources and time for it. But all the advices that I got from Nick, Alex, and Matthias even if they haven't managed me in the way that, as you talked about, that older uh, or former or retired uh, race car drivers help the next generation, they've put me in a direction and they've uh, explained the mistakes that they made. Like mm-hmm. explaining, like this is the minefield. Don't go over there. Don't go over there. Think about this when you pass there. So, what they've done in their career in the U.S. have like, help me to, to find my way through it. So the largest help, I'd say, in the U.S. is from the team managers themselves. Like, Kent Smith um, was a great advisor. Uh, John Wood, my first team owner um, in the K&N Pro Series who did the late model stuff. And the Hornet car that I talked about, they don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And then later on, uh, Will Kimmel and Bill Kimmel that I raced for in Arca for the first time. My first race I did in the Arca Racing Series with Will Kimmel. Uh, he's still a race car driver, but he's raced in the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, anything American, like oval kind of racing you can think of. Uh, in, within that race, I learned more about racing cars than I did for three years racing cars in Sweden. So it really opens your perspective in different ways. If you have a really good crew chief and team manager and a team owner, and right now I work with Andy Hillenberg and the Fast Track Racing guys, and uh, Andy have been doing like everything from racing the Indy 500 to doing oval racing in stock cars. So uh, there's a lot of like knowledge and experience in a whole different way that we have. Like compared to what teams you can get into in Sweden, Hmm. in European motorsport you often, more often, like, lean on the engineers of the team and the data rather than raw experience and raw knowledge of the sport. Hmm. And uh, what do you like the
2: most at being a racing driver?
5: It's a very simple question, but the answer is hard to find out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, it's easier to answer what I enjoy with racing cars. Um, that is more, uh, but what I, what I enjoyed most being a race car driver, I think it's the opportunity to race very specific race cars, I'd say with with my record, uh, I think that it's it's just a few teams in the world that will like tell me that you can't test this race car compared to a a person that have been interested in racing but never raced themselves Uh, if they go to a race team with a lot of money it's not really sure that they're possible to to try the car or race the car but lifestyle wise i mean right now i'm working with what i what i enjoy it's my largest interest in life and um, so when i say that i work 90 to 110 hours a week i enjoy every minute of it because um it's my passion in life it's my more or less my my meaning and passion or purpose of life uh to race cars or be in a racing industry so um like, like the best parts of it I like the interviews. I like uh, the sponsor meetings. I enjoy the, um, the the time on the track the most. I enjoy, uh, like with did in Pocono this year, me and Sebastian, which is my sidekick. Like after the race, they have uh, concerts and stuff in the infield of the racetrack, and just going there and talk with the fans and spend time with people who enjoy the sport as much as I do. So what I enjoy most with being a race car driver it, it is being close and being in a uh, environment where people who share my passion are if you get the answer
2: hmm. and uh, then the opposite what do you like the least with being a race race car
3: driver Wow <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough question too um I'd say it's the challenges it's the um env- the challenging part of the environment i mean or the competitive uh, part i found it really hard to get and build healthy relationships like friendships with other drivers mm. especially in europe it's, it's a lot easier in the u.s because people are more laid back and um but every like teammate in the sport is your like largest competitor because you're the only one that you really compete with uh like if you have a team that builds four cars those four cars are pretty similar to each other uh, compared to another team so your talent and your performance is the easiest way uh, the it's easier to compare you to your teammates than other teams because they have other like preferences and other opportunities so I think what I like least with, with racing as a sport is the relationship with your teammates. Uh, they can be very constructive and uh, really funny. I built a great relationship with my uh, teammate Stafford Smith. I had in, uh, in the K N Pro Series. He learned me. Uh, he taught me a lot about these kind of race cars. Um, we spend early mornings and late nights, like setting them up in the in the workshop. And they showed me how, how to repair them and, and stuff like that, and he even explained like some kind of tricks you can do on the track, and um, that is how a teammate relationship should look like, and um, when I find other like w- when I try um, and uh, either like visit races to watch other teams work. I can directly tell to the team manager that that relationship doesn't work. You have to change one of the drivers to another. But also uh, what I should strive for myself when I choose the team that I should work with. Because my performance is um, dependent on the relationship with my fellow teammate. I mean, the, the... The goal for the teammate is to, uh, the team manager is to build the strongest team. And the goal for the team owner is to build like an an economically working team uh, or profitable. And if your drivers are competing too much with each other uh, instead of competing against the other competitors, you'll just end up with a lot of internal like dramas instead of, your, your two drivers developing together.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thought. But in one way, of course, it's the spectators also like in team battles as well and want some drama. So it's... <laughs> <but> also, <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's part of the game as well. It is, it is. But also it's better if it's drama uh, for the team and for for, for for everybody except the fans, I think. I think it's mm. more interesting if there are internal like dramas between the drivers from the same team. But it's also fun to watch drama between uh, drivers from different teams. Mm. And that doesn't hurt your own team so much. I mean, if you're a race car driver, you should focus on racing that car as fast as possible, not what mm. another driver tells you, uh, what attitude he got or her, because th- that's focusing on the wrong things. I mean, personal development, develop at the track and run the cars as, as fast as you dare. Mm, like. Talking
2: talk about development, uh, how do you feel about your own driving talent? I'm very confident about that.
3: But I'm also my biggest critic. As I mentioned earlier about talent profile, I know that I'm weak in qualifying which means that I'm also weak in test sessions. But in the racing environment, that is where I have my strengths. Mostly in tire management, I'd say, long-term planning in the race. I mean, we race for 200 to 400 laps. I mean, if I'm fast one of 400 laps, I'll end up last. So it's better to be quite fast every lap have the right opportunities uh, in the end of the race. So uh, I describe myself as a smart driver, but of course it's, it's full of perks if you do qualify good, especially on the road courses, but on the super speedways, it doesn't really matter because the races are so long and you might stay out of trouble if you uh, start in the rear and in the, the, the behinds. So that's how I should describe my my talent. I mean, it's easy to say this driver is uh, is talented, this driver isn't talented, but if you if you break up like the details of it, so it, it makes it a lot easier. If you look at a certain driver to to watch, is a a fast qualifier, is a fast racer. What do you mean with a fast racer? Is it fast when he uh is in front of the field or midfield or in the back of, like, a couple of cars? There's a lot of strategy going on in NASCAR. I mean, in a lot of races, when we uh, we save fuel by um, staying behind somebody instead of racing them, we save tires with uh, through um, running by ourselves uh, or having a car behind us. So there's so many different, like ways to race a car in uh, in nascar compared to uh, the road course racing because the road course races are shorter and um you're not in packs in the same way as
5: we are i'd say Hmm.
3: so let's say like if you look at the the super speedways i mean racing wise you exit the um, the pits and you gear up from second to third to fourth, and then you go all out for sixty laps straight. And you keep hugging the yellow line on the inside. That's your line. You doesn't do, you don't do any like driving changes at all. I mean, if you're gonna qualify, you will have you would probably stay uh, in other light lanes and uh, then die down to the yellow line. But apart from that, the lines are very easy. So. This, the large challenge is to, to race the other drivers. And how do you trick the other drivers to stay behind you or uh, how to overtake them and then keep them behind you to win the race? As I used to say people who are, who are strong on the super speed race are smart drivers. People who qualify first on road courses and win races are fast drivers. And of course, you can be both smart and fast. And uh, that is what I strive for. Mm. And uh, do you ever feel any fear while racing? Not while racing, I'd say. When I put my helmet on, I release every thought that uh, is like, connected with the fears and the risks of the sport. I mean, the, the sport we have is, is dangerous. I mean, even though we haven't had any case of death since Dale Earnhardt Sr. and the beginning of the uh, the millennia, 2001. A lot of drivers end their careers with problems with their neck or their back. And I don't want to be one of those because when I retire, I still want to live my, my family life or and do my businesses around the, uh, around the sport without having any pains or troubles with the sport. And I think that Many people doesn't doesn't know about this. I mean, okay, the guy crashed, but he survived. But they don't know that he have complications with the body afterwards.
5: So, of course, I think about the risks,
3: but never in the in the racing mode. Um, never when I have the helmet on my head, because in all racing situations, uh, risk shouldn't be a a option. To think about because if you have one chance to win the race, you should always take it, I think. But not risk like too many points in the championship, of course. Uh but the risk of your life, I mean as soon as you pass 150 kilometers an hour, you're going fast and you're taking risks for your health. Um and we're going double the speed of that. So I'm never afraid when I race because I I've trained myself to not think about those kind of things when I'm in that situation.
4: Hmm.
2: We have gone on over an hour here now, but I still have so many questions to ask. But <laughs> 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 So uh, let's pick something here. Uh, which occasion or event in motorsport have affected you the most? Oh, um, I think.
5: It's either um, the first
3: time that I got to drive a go-kart, uh, a rental go-kart when I was five years old with my dad. Uh, I remember crashing and hurting my leg, but still wanting to um, to go back to the go-kart place and do it again. Because if I had I'd just crashed and uh, felt like I don't want to do this anymore, I've never started, started racing. Um, the other part is, uh, probably the incident I did when I was 18, uh, and was hospitalized because if that hadn't happened, uh, I would probably not be in a race car. And, um, then, uh, for, uh, for the next step was probably when I was with my girlfriend at the time in, uh, in the western parts of the US in the, the last season I did in, uh, in Scandinavia or the Nordic countries when we visited Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the first time. And I just saw this huge track, track with, um, with this 25, 30 degree something banks. And I was like, so you're, you're about to go 300 kilometers around this. Because the track was quite small compared to the road courses that I've raced on. But still, the banks made it so so really fast. And um, when we was in the, at the infield and watched all over all these huge like stands, uh, the grandstands and the spectator seats, um, uh, I just kept one thought in my mind, and that was: I need to race here sometime. I need to try this out. I don't care if I race professionally or just try these kind of tracks. So that the seat in my head to do oval racing um, so those are the three like <clears throat> the, 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 the critical points of my career like the first time where I realized that I need a change now either start a sport or change sport or change category in the sport mm-hmm.
2: and the uh... Uh, which race is the best to travel to? Everything taken into account, for example, the area which the race is held, the on-track action, travel distance, to the country, the country itself, and so on. I'll give
5: five different
3: suggestions there. Five different suggestions of five different races. Uh, first and foremost, the Daytona 500. Absolutely. That's the number one on your list. It's, uh, it's always sold out. It's, in the, it's the, the peak of the Daytona Speed Week, which is like a festival of speed with different kinds of races around the area. To go there, either live on the infield or uh, hang out in the grandstands and then tailgate behind the, the arena, that is like... They call it the Super Bowl racing, and I do, I do comply with that. Um, while the Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl racing, the great spectacle in racing is uh, the Indy 500. But apart from the Daytona 500, I'd say it's the Brickyard 400, which is held on um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's the same as the Indy 500 is, but it's a different event. Um, this year is in the 4th of July, so I'd say the 4th of July race in, or around that weekend um, is a must-go-to because you'll celebrate the Independence and National Day of America uh, together with hundreds of thousands of fans. And The sport is very patriotic. I think that 96% of the NASCAR fans are, are considering themselves as patriots. So those are the best people to celebrate America with, I think. They're the ones that love it. But then you have the, the road course races, except for uh, you should either go to Watkins Glen or Sonoma. So either Northern California or in Northern New York State. Because if you're familiar to European racing, uh, you probably enjoy the road course racing. It is competitive in a different way in NASCAR because they have rules packages that really makes the racing really interesting. I think it was around 150 spectators at Watkins Glen last year. Among them, it was, I think it was 22,000 campers and RVs. So people really live by the racetrack and they have barbecues and people are really friendly if you go to them and uh, approach them. Um, just make sure that they know that you're European and they'll see you in, as a, a tourist or a visitor in their country and they'll take very, very good care of you. And then I think it's the, the race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway or uh, the Hour Club 400 in Los Angeles, because then you're close to Las Vegas or Los Angeles, which are great places to, to visit if you've never been to the U.S. before. Yeah. And uh, why should someone follow
2: this NASCAR season?
3: This NASCAR season is probably, um, if you look at the Cup Series, at the Cup level, the Major League, the highest series, the Tier 1, have never been so competitive. I mean, last year Toyota was really strong, and the Joe Gibbs Racing Team. Um, They're not as strong this year, but they still have one win in four races. Chevy has one win in four races and uh, Ford has two. So there are four different teams that have a win and uh, every team has three or four drivers. So with that accounted, so we, we don't really know who will win the championship this year. It could be one of 15 different drivers. And, um, I can't remember which season in like Formula One, the 15th ranked driver after four races had the possibility and speed to win the championship. I it's been um, like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite, it's, it's quite different between the series. The compet- competition is really different. I mean, as I told you earlier, we have four different kinds of uh, racetracks. And every team um, try to peak their cars for one of these kind of racetracks. Because if you get a win and good results on these kind of racetracks, you'll collect enough points to go to the playoffs. And while in the playoffs, uh, you'll return to these kind of tracks for one or two races. And um, so that makes it really interesting. They put the resources differently between these kind of racetracks. Mm. um so because of like how competitive this season is in particular next year uh, nascar will change and introduce um, the next generation of cars yeah so this is the last year with these kind of cars and they've really put together a great rule package for tight and unexpected racing Mm.
2: what are the biggest differences for the next gen car
3: Wow, they're, they're not really done with what they're going to do, what kind of changes they're going to do with it. Um, because they, 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 have, they haven't made the decisions yet. They have tried like ideas uh, to the public. Um, but some of the bigger differences is that they're moving from, I think it's 16 or 15-inch uh, wheels to 18. With the uh, 18-inch wheels, they'll remove the five lug nuts that they changed today to one single centrum, like in Formula One or IMSA or uh, GT Racing. Um, Another difference is um, the gearbox. They're changing the four-speed age pattern gearbox to a sequential six-speed gearbox. And um, on the ovals, I don't think that that will change a lot because you'll probably go on the sixth speed all the way around. I don't think that you'll change gear because you can make gearing changes in the, uh, in the rear axle to make sure that you never have to gear during the race. Um, but at the road courses, that will play a big difference. It will look a lot more like the uh, supercar series in australia i think Uh, as well as they're talking about making an independent rear end Uh, today we have like a stiff rear axle that will make the car handles a lot different i mean at the ovals you can you can adjust the uh, camber and caster angles of the rear end and that is a game changer for these kind of cars i mean nascar cars are basically in some kinds of like technological technological development stuck in the 70s and now they're moving to the 90s so um a lot of crew chiefs and car chiefs uh, have to, to to rethink what they think is nascar i think
2: hmm well yeah it's been
3: really interesting to
2: listen to you and still have some final questions here yeah but I think you'll be back soon with another episode because there's still a lot to talk about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what hints would you give to someone who wants to wants to start racing in NASCAR or not NASCAR, but in the same field as you have been racing in? Drive what you can afford. Start with that.
5: And... Um,
3: Drive what you think um, what you think is fun to drive. I mean, as I I, I say that everything is raceable. I mean, you, you can put me in in a the electrical car I had when I was four, and I'll find a way to race it too, and I'll find a way to enjoy every second of it. Don't be the kind of person that say that I can't race this because it's too slow. It doesn't have the horsepower enough. I mean, even if you, we race a car that is all torn down and uh, have an engine for 100 horsepower, but only with 50 together because it's old. I mean, I'll find a way to drive it faster than you. When you're faster than me in that car, then you can step away like, to the next step. Um, race because it's fun. Try to learn every lap you do. But if you want to enter American racing, um, start at the bottom. Um, start in the local series Uh, why not try out the dirt tracks i mean that's also a way to develop further and don't be afraid to call team managers at the next level and introduce yourself and start having discussions with them and ask them how can i put uh, stuff together to get an opportunity to race with you If you look at me now, uh, where I am at my talent level and experience level, what do I need to work with to get your attention and acceptance to race one of your cars? So don't be afraid to ask people. Don't be afraid to, to ask other drivers, like, how do you take this corner? How do you think in this situation? Sometimes you actually get a constructive answer, but most times... They'll feel competitive and give you another answer than what you're actually looking for. But so the team managers,
5: um, you'll probably
3: always get some kind of construct- constructive answer. You can set up like goals with the local team owner uh, of what you want to achieve, um, but start at your local racetrack and build everything from there i mean if you're from sweden or if you're from finland um get to the the local racetrack and uh, ask around like what kind of cars can i drive here buy a car together with a couple of friends do some endurance racing together build a car and uh, change the tires when you're not driving like keep the costs as low as you can and then ask yourself how can any like company or potential sponsor make money of what we're doing right now. Maybe they want to try the car. Maybe they want to do like an event with their closest, like most important customers. Maybe they want to drive the car. Maybe they want to get a ride along in the car and, um, and start at that level and reach out for like sponsors that are in the size that you are. I mean, um, brands like monster energy and Coca-Cola, Know that's the same company or not good at all you work with. They'll rarely answer your calls until they know about you and call you themselves. So start with if you're local, start with local companies. Like dig where you are, and um, don't be afraid to uh, to take chances. If you dream of racing in the U.S., do like I did send these 50, 70, 100, if you have to, emails to different race car owners and ask them, what would it cost for me to rent your car? To do, like try it. And when you're there and you actually tried that car, you actually have some experience on U.S. soil. And during that trip, make sure to get to know as many, many people as you can because everybody knows somebody that can help you. And uh, do you feel like you're
2: living the, the motorsport dream?
5: Kind of, I'd say. I'd say kind of. Um,
3: absolutely in some parts. I, I wake up every morning knowing that today I'm going to work with racing the whole day. And I go to sleep every night knowing that tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and the next week and the next month everything I do will be related to racing. Mm. And that have been a dream for me since I was six years old.
5: I just wish that I, every week had some seat time in a race car.
3: And, um, th- that is like the last step to really fulfill the motorsport dream. I'd say.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah. So you're there, but not still there, so to say.
3: Um, uh, I've, I've just entered the door to the party, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. The whole nut is waiting for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. the that perspective you should have.
2: Yeah.
3: And, yeah. and if, you, if you've thought about going to, into racing and start your motorsport career, well, then, then you've just left your home and you're on the way to the party. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thanks for having you on the show here.
2: It's been really interesting to listen to you and getting to, and getting to know NASCAR much better. Mm-hmm. So
3: where can people follow you and your,
2: what you're up to?
3: The easiest way is to go to my website uh, jonasforce.com f-o-r-s uh dot com um and then scroll all the way down because some people use twitter some people use uh instagram some people use facebook i got the links down there um i use my instagram the most um then you, there you can find me if you search for jonas force uh nascar and i'll show up or force in racing but on my website and all the way down, I also have a link to my Spotify with a playlist of all the songs that I listen to on a race day to get in mood. Try that one out. Mm. And when is your next race? It is in the 29th of May at Mid-Ohio in the Archer Menard series. series. Um, we haven't really secured it yet uh financially but we're very very close and uh, that's why i can say that that will be my next race hopefully that will be the race that opens the opportunities for me uh, to get approved to race in xfinity series after that
2: sounds interesting
3: we're at a very interesting phase right now um and i just can't wait until the end of may to show everybody what I got on our old course in the US.
2: Yeah, I'll sure watch that race if I can. It's possible through the internet, right? I guess.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. Yes.
2: So we'll we put out some links when the race is.
3: I'll make sure that everybody find a way to to watch it.
2: Yep, perfect. But yeah, thanks and best of luck to the upcoming race. Thank you too for having me. Thanks.
1: You've been listening to the Motorsport Dream with Christopher Lindeen. Thank you for listening to this episode. To find out more information about the company Speed Passion, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and on our webpage at speedpassion.fi. And also find more information about Racing Time watches on racingtime.se. Follow Christopher and his motorsport journey on christopher.linding on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, released every fortnight. Till next time, this is the motorsport dream signing off.